Welcome to Supreme Court Opinions. In this episode, you'll hear the court's opinion in Isleta del Sur Puebla v. Texas. In this case, the court considered this issue, which federal law governs the legality of the Isleta del Sur Pueblo's gaming operations, the Restoration Act or the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. The case was decided on June 15, 2022. The court held that the Restoration Act bans as a matter of federal law on tribal lands only those gaming activities also banned in Texas. Justice Gorsuch delivered the opinion of the court, in which Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Barrett joined. Chief Justice Roberts filed a dissenting opinion, in which Justices Thomas, Alito, and Kavanaugh joined. The opinion is presented here in its entirety, but with citations omitted. If you appreciate this episode, please subscribe. Thank you. Justice Gorsuch delivered the opinion of the court. Native American tribes possess inherent sovereign authority over their members and territories. Under our Constitution, treaties, and laws, Congress too bears vital responsibilities in the field of tribal affairs. From time to time, Congress has exercised its authority to allow state law to apply on tribal lands where it otherwise would not. In this case, Texas contends that Congress expressly ordained that all of its gaming laws should be treated as surrogate federal law enforceable on the Isleta del Sur Pueblo Reservation. In the end, however, we find no evidence Congress endowed state law with anything like the power Texas claims. The Isleta del Sur Pueblo is one of three federally recognized Indian tribes in Texas. Its reservation lies near El Paso, and the tribe today includes over 4,000 enrolled members. The tribe traces its roots back to the 1,680 Pueblo revolt against the Spanish in New Mexico. In the revolt's aftermath, the Spanish retreated from Santa Fe to El Paso, and a large number of Isleta Pueblo Indians accompanied them. Soon, tribal members built the Isleta Mission, the oldest church in Texas, and in 1751 Spain granted 23,000 acres to the tribe for its homeland. Things changed for the tribe after Texas gained statehood in 1845. The state disregarded Spain's land grant and began incorporating a town on tribal lands and issuing land patents to non-Indians. Over the years that followed, the tribe repeatedly lost lands without recompense. Yet some tribal members remained on parts of their homeland, determined to preserve their language, customs, and traditions. In the late 1890s, the tribe adopted a constitution to ensure the survival of its ancient tribal organization. After years of struggle, the tribe also won formal recognition from Texas in 1967 and Congress the following year. In its 1968 legislation, Congress assigned its trust responsibilities for the tribe to Texas. That trust relationship was important, as it ensured the tribe would retain the remaining 100 acres of land it possessed and gain access to certain tribal funding programs. This arrangement persisted until 1983. That year, Texas renounced its trust responsibilities, asserting that they were inconsistent with the state's constitution. The tribe responded to this development by seeking new congressional legislation to re-establish its trust relationship with the federal government. But that effort quickly became bogged down in a dispute. Of all things, it concerned bingo. Texas, it seems, worried that allowing tribal gaming would have a detrimental effect on existing charitable bingo operations in the state of Texas and because Texas judged that its laws would be inapplicable on tribal lands without federal approval, the state opposed any new federal trust legislation unless it included a special provision permitting it to apply its own gaming laws on the tribe's lands. Years of negotiations ensued. But one development during this period turned out to have particular salience even though it did not immediately concern either the tribe or Texas. In February 1987, this court issued California v. Cabazon Band of Mission Indians. In it, the court addressed Public Law 280, 
a statute Congress had adopted in 1953 to allow a handful of states to enforce some of their criminal, but not certain of their civil, laws on particular tribal lands. Seeking to apply that statutory direction in the context of Indian gaming, the court held that, if a state law prohibits a particular game, it falls within Public Law 280's grant of criminal jurisdiction and a state may enforce its ban on tribal lands. But if state laws merely regulate a game's availability, the court ruled, Public Law 280 does not permit a state to enforce its rules on tribal lands. The court then turned to apply this prohibitory-slash-regulatory distinction to California's bingo laws. Much like Texas today, California in 1987 permitted bingo in various circumstances, including for charitable purposes, but treated deviations from its rules as criminal violations. Because California allowed some bingo to be played, the court reasoned, the state regulated rather than prohibited the game. From this, it followed that Public Law 280 did not authorize the state to apply its own bingo laws on tribal lands. In reaching this conclusion, the court rejected California's suggestion that its laws were prohibitory rather than regulatory because they were enforceable by criminal sanctions, explaining that an otherwise regulatory law is not enforceable under Public Law 280 merely because a state labels it criminal. Otherwise, the court explained, Public Law 280's distinction between criminal and civil laws could easily be avoided. It appears the court's decision helped catalyze new legislation. After Cabazon, congressional efforts to pass Indian gaming legislation, that had been ongoing since 1983 gained momentum, with Indian tribes' position strengthened. In fact, just six months after the decision, in August 1987, Congress finally adopted the Isleta del Sur and Alabama and Cushata Indian Tribes of Texas Restoration Act. In that law, Congress restored the tribe's federal trust status. And to resolve Texas's gaming objections, Congress seemingly drew straight from Cabazon, employing its distinction between prohibited and regulated gaming activity. The Restoration Act prohibited as a matter of federal law all gaming activities which are prohibited by the laws of the state of Texas. But the Act also provided that it should not be construed as a grant of civil or criminal regulatory jurisdiction to the state of Texas. That was not all Congress did. Because Cabazon left certain states unable to apply their gaming regulations on Indian reservations, some feared the court's decision opened the door to a significant amount of new and unregulated gaming on tribal lands. In 1988, Congress sought to fill that perceived void by adopting its own comprehensive national legislation, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, IGRA. IGRA established rules for three separate classes of games. Relevant here, the law permitted tribes to offer so-called Class II games, like bingo, in states that permit such gaming for any purpose by any person, organization or entity. Meanwhile, the statute allowed tribes to offer Class III games, like Blackjack and Baccarat, but only pursuant to tribal-slash-state compacts. To ensure compliance with the statute's terms, IGRA created the National Indian Gaming Commission. In the 1990s, the tribe sought to negotiate a compact with Texas to offer Class III games pursuant to IGRA. But Texas refused to come to the table. It argued that the Restoration Act displaced IGRA and required the tribe to follow all of the state's gaming laws on tribal lands. That dispute quickly found its way to court. Initially, a federal district court granted summary judgment for the tribe, holding that Texas violated IGRA by failing to negotiate in good faith. On appeal, however, the Fifth Circuit reversed. That court held that the Restoration Act's directions superseded IGRAs and guaranteed that all of Texas gaming laws and regulations would operate as surrogate federal law on the tribe's reservation. A quarter century of confusion and litigation followed. Repeatedly, the tribe sought to conduct gaming operations within the confines of Isleta I at its Speaking Rock Entertainment Center, 
which houses restaurants, bars, and concert venues. Repeatedly, Texas argued that the tribe's activities exceeded the Fifth Circuit's mandate. Faced with these disputes, lower courts experimented with a variety of approaches, enjoining all on reservation gaming, instructing the tribe to seek licenses from Texas regulators, and even requiring the tribe to obtain pre-approval from a federal court before offering any new gaming operations. One court described this process as having transformed it into a quasi-regulatory body overseeing and monitoring the minutia of the tribe's gaming-related conduct. The current case represents just the latest in this long line. In 2016, the tribe began offering bingo. On its view, it was free to offer at least this game because IGRA treats bingo as a class 2 game for which no state permission is required so long as the state permits the game to be played on some terms by some persons. Citing IGRA, the tribe did not just offer the sort of bingo played in church halls across the country. It also offered electronic bingo, a game in which patrons sit at machines that look similar to a traditional slot machine. Unlike typical slot machines, however, the underlying game is run using historical bingo draws. The state responded by seeking to shut down all of the tribe's bingo operations. Whatever IGRA may allow, Texas argued, the Fifth Circuit was clear in Isleta I that the Restoration Act forbids the tribe from defying any of the state's gaming regulations. And, Texas stressed, under its laws bingo remains permissible today only for charitable purposes and only subject to a broad array of regulations. Finding itself bound by Isleta I, the district court sided with Texas and enjoined the tribe's bingo operations. But the court also chose to stay its injunction pending appeal. The court did so because it thought that either the Fifth Circuit or this court might wish to reconsider Isleta I. After all, the Restoration Act effectively federalizes only those state laws that prohibit gaming activities. The statute expressly states that nothing in it may be read as authorizing Texas to enforce criminal or civil regulations on tribal lands. And when it comes to bingo, the state permits at least some forms of the game subject to regulation. In the district court's judgment, the tribe had a sufficient likelihood of success on the merits under the terms of the Restoration Act to support a stay. The district court further found that, without a stay, the injury to the tribe would be truly irreparable. Speaking Rock's revenues account for 60% of the tribe's operating budget, which supports significant educational, governmental, and charitable initiatives. And when Speaking Rock closed due to one of the many previous disputes, tribal unemployment rose from 3 to 28%. On appeal, the Fifth Circuit re-reaffirmed Isleta I and held that the decision resolved this dispute. Isleta I expressly held that all of Texas gaming laws and regulations, operate a surrogate federal law on the tribe's reservation. And because the tribe's bingo operations did not conform to the state's bingo regulations, the court held, they were impermissible. After the tribe filed a petition for certiorari, this court called for the views of the Solicitor General. The United States argued that the Fifth Circuit's understanding of the Restoration Act took a wrong turn in Isleta I and urged us to correct the error. Ultimately, we agreed to take up this case to consider that question. Before us, the parties offer two very different accounts of the Restoration Act. The state, in its only argument in support of regulatory jurisdiction over the tribe's gaming activities, reads the act as effectively subjecting the tribe to the entire body of Texas gaming laws and regulations, just as the Fifth Circuit held in Isleta I. The tribe understands the act to bar it from offering only those gaming activities the state fully prohibits. Consistent with Cabazon, the tribe submits, if Texas merely regulates a game like bingo, it may offer that game, and it may do so subject only to the limits found in federal law and its own law, not state law. To resolve the party's disagreement, we turn to section 107 of the Restoration Act, where Congress directly addressed gaming on the tribe's lands and said this. S. Section 107 Gaming Activities. A. 
In general, all gaming activities which are prohibited by the laws of the state of Texas are hereby prohibited on the reservation and on lands of the tribe. Any violation of the prohibition provided in this subsection shall be subject to the same civil and criminal penalties that are provided by the laws of the state of Texas. The provisions of this subsection are enacted in accordance with the tribe's request in Tribal Resolution No. TC-02-86 which was approved and certified on March 12, 1986. b. No state regulatory jurisdiction. Nothing in this section shall be construed as a grant of civil or criminal regulatory jurisdiction to the state of Texas. c. Jurisdiction over enforcement against members. The courts of the United States shall have exclusive jurisdiction over any offense in violation of subsection a that is committed by the tribe. Perhaps the most striking feature about this language is its dichotomy between prohibition and regulation. On the one hand, subsection a says that gaming activities prohibited by state law are also prohibited as a matter of federal law, using some variation of the word prohibited no fewer than three times. On the other hand, subsection b insists that the statute does not grant Texas civil or criminal regulatory jurisdiction with respect to matters covered by this section, a section concerned exclusively with gaming. The implication that Congress drew from Cabazon and meant for us to apply its same prohibitory-slash-regulatory framework here seems almost impossible to ignore. But before getting to that, we start with a careful look at the statute's terms standing on their own. Often enough in ordinary speech, to prohibit something means to forbid, prevent, or effectively stop it, or make it impossible. Meanwhile, to regulate something is usually understood to mean to fix the time, amount, degree, or rate of an activity according to rules. Frequently, then, the two words are not synonymous. That fact presents Texas with a problem. The state concedes that its laws do not forbid, prevent, effectively stop, or make bingo impossible. Instead, the state admits that it allows the game subject to fixed rules about the time, place, and manner in which it may be conducted. From this alone, it would seem to follow that Texas's laws fall on the regulatory rather than prohibitory side of the line, and thus may not be applied on tribal lands under the terms of subsection b. To be sure, Texas is not without a reply. It observes that in everyday speech someone could describe its laws as prohibiting bingo unless the state's time, place, and manner regulations are followed. After all, conducting bingo or any other game in defiance of state regulations can lead not just to a civil citation, but to a criminal prosecution too. In this sense, the state submits, it seeks to do exactly what subsection, a, allows, prohibit bingo that is not conducted for charitable purposes and compliant with all its state gaming regulations. That much we find hard to see. Maybe in isolation or in another context, Texas's understanding of the word prohibit would make sense. But here it risks rendering the Restoration Act a jumble. No one questions that Texas regulates bingo by fixing the time, place, and manner in which the game may be conducted. The state submits only that, in some sense, its laws also prohibit bingo, when the game fails to comply with the state's time, place, and manner regulations. But on that reading, the law's dichotomy between prohibition and regulation collapses. Laws regulating gaming activities become laws prohibiting gaming activities. It's an interpretation that violates our usual rule against ascribing to one word a meaning so broad that it assumes the same meaning as another statutory term. It's a view that defies our usual presumption that differences in language like this convey differences in meaning. And perhaps most tellingly, it is a construction that renders state gaming regulations simultaneously both, permissible, prohibitions and, impermissible, regulations. Rather than supply coherent guidance, Texas's reading of the law renders it an indeterminate mess. The state's interpretation of subsection, a, presents another related problem. 
suppose we could somehow overlook the indeterminacy its interpretation yields and adopt the state's view that it may prohibit bingo under subsection, a, not merely by outlawing bingo altogether but also by dictating the time, place, and manner in which it is played. On that account, subsection, b, would be left with no work to perform, its terms dead letters all. Yes, subsection, b, says that it does not federalize Texas's civil and criminal gaming regulations on tribal land. But, the state effectively suggests, we should turn a blind eye to all that. It's a result that defies yet another of our long-standing canons of statutory construction, this one, the rule that we must normally seek to construe Congress's work so that effect is given to all provisions, so that no part will be inoperative or superfluous, void or insignificant. Seeking a way around these problems, Texas only stumbles on another. The state submits that subsection, b, performs real work even on its reading by denying its courts and gaming commission jurisdiction to punish violations of subsection, a, and sending disputes over regulatory violations to federal court instead. The dissent also embraces this approach. But this understanding of subsection, b, only serves to render still another portion of the statute, subsection, c, a nullity. Titled Jurisdiction Over Enforcement Against Members, subsection, c, grants the federal court's exclusive jurisdiction over violations of subsection, a, and it also permits Texas to bring an action in federal court to enjoin violations of subsection, a, put differently, subsection, c, already precludes state courts and state agencies from exercising jurisdiction over violations of subsection, a, to make any sense of the statute, subsection, b, must do something besides repeat that work. Stepping back, a full look at the statute's structure suggests a set of simple and coherent commands. In subsection, a, Congress effectively federalized and applied to tribal lands those state laws that prohibit or absolutely ban a particular gaming activity. In subsection, b, Congress explained that it was not authorizing the application of Texas's gaming regulations on tribal lands. In subsection, c, Congress granted federal courts jurisdiction to entertain claims by Texas that the tribe has violated subsection, a, Texas's competing interpretation of the law renders individual statutory terms duplicative and whole provisions without work to perform. Even if fair questions remain after a look at the ordinary meaning of the statutory terms before us, important contextual clues resolve them. Recall that Congress passed the act just six months after this court handed down Cabazon. In that decision, the court interpreted Public Law 280 to mean that only prohibitory state gaming laws could be applied on the Indian lands in question, not state regulatory gaming laws. The court then proceeded to hold that California bingo laws, laws materially identical to the Texas bingo laws before us today, fell on the regulatory side of the ledger. Just like Texas today, California heavily regulated bingo, allowing it only in certain circumstances, usually for charity. Just like Texas, California criminalized violations of its rules. Still, because California permitted some forms of bingo, the court concluded that meant California did not prohibit, but only regulated, the game. For us, that clinches the case. This court generally assumes that, when Congress enacts statutes, it is aware of this court's relevant precedents. And at the time Congress adopted the Restoration Act, Cabazon was not only a relevant precedent concerning Indian gaming, it was the precedent. In Cabazon, the court drew a sharp line between the terms prohibitory and regulatory and held that state bingo laws very much like the ones now before us qualified as regulatory rather than prohibitory in nature we do not see how we might fairly read the terms of the Restoration Act except in the same light. After all, when the words of the court are used in a later statute governing the same subject matter, it is respectful of Congress and of the court's own processes to give the words the same meaning in the absence of specific direction to the contrary. 
even beyond that vital contextual clue lie others. In the immediate aftermath of Cabazon, Congress adopted not just the Restoration Act, it also adopted other laws governing tribal gaming activities. In these laws, Congress again appeared to reference and employ Cabazon's distinction between prohibition and regulation, and Congress did so in ways demonstrating that it clearly understood how to grant a state regulatory jurisdiction over a tribe's gaming activities when it wished to do so. Consider two examples. On the same day it passed the Restoration Act, Congress adopted a statute involving the Wampanoag tribe. But, contrary to its approach in the Restoration Act, Congress subjected the tribe's lands to those laws and regulations which prohibit or regulate the conduct of bingo or any other game of chance. Shortly after the Restoration Act, Congress adopted another statute, this one governing the Catawba tribe's gaming activities. In it, Congress provided that all laws, ordinances, and regulations of the state, and its political subdivisions, shall govern the regulation of, gambling or wagering by the tribe on and off the reservation. That Congress chose to use the language of Cabazon in different ways in three statutes closely related in time and subject matter seems to us too much to ignore. For two tribes, Congress did more than just prohibit on tribal lands those gaming activities prohibited by state law. It said state regulations should apply as a matter of federal law too. Yet for this tribe Congress did something different. It did not subject the tribe to all Texas laws that prohibit or regulate gaming. It did not subject the tribe to all laws that govern the regulation of gambling. Instead, Congress banned on tribal lands only those gaming activities prohibited by Texas, and it did not provide for state regulatory jurisdiction over tribal gaming. None of this is to say that the tribe may offer any gaming activity on whatever terms it wishes. It is only to say that the Fifth Circuit and Texas have erred in their understanding of the Restoration Act. Under that law's terms, if a gaming activity is prohibited by Texas law it is also prohibited on tribal land as a matter of federal law. Other gaming activities are subject to tribal regulation and must conform with the terms and conditions set forth in federal law, including IGRA to the extent it is applicable. By this point, only two arguments remain for us to consider. In the first, Texas and the dissent focus heavily on the final sentence in subsection A. That sentence states that the provisions of this subsection are enacted in accordance with the tribe's request in tribal resolution No. TCO 2-86. In the reference 1986 resolution, the tribe announced its opposition to Texas's legislative efforts to have all its gaming laws apply on tribal lands. Such a result, the resolution said, would represent a substantial infringement upon the tribe's power of self-government, inconsistent with the central purposes of restoration of the federal trust relationship. At the same time, to prevent extension of Texas law to its reservation and to avoid jeopardizing its request for renewed federal trust status, the tribe, one, announced its own intention to prohibit gaming or bingo on its reservation, and, two, authorized its negotiators in Washington to accept federal legislation prohibiting gaming on tribal lands as an alternative to state regulation. Before us, Texas does not question that the tribe was, and remains, free to change its own laws after adopting that resolution. But, the state says, the fact that Congress referenced the tribal resolution in subsection, A, suggests that the Restoration Act should be read broadly to allow Texas to apply its gaming regulations on tribal lands. It's an unsatisfying suggestion for at least a few reasons. In the first place, while subsection, A, explains that the Restoration Act was enacted in accordance with the tribe's resolution, it does not purport to incorporate that resolution into federal law. Congress knows exactly how to adopt into federal law the terms of another writing or resolution when it wishes. It can and has said, for example, that a tribal law or resolution shall have the same force and effect as if it were set out in full in this subchapter. But even Texas does not suggest that Congress went that far in the Restoration Act. 
With that possibility shelved, it is hard to see what's left. Texas suggests that Congress's reference to the tribal resolution at least augurs in favor of a broad reading of subsection A, but saying that tells us nothing about how much broader the law should be read. And, as we have seen, the only broader reading of subsection A, Texas offers faces its challenges, it requires us to believe that subsection A, swallows subsection B, whole, makes a nullity of subsection C, and defies Congress's apparent adoption of Cabazon's prohibitory-slash-regulatory distinction. There is still another and maybe more fundamental problem here. On our interpretation of the Restoration Act, Congress did legislate in accordance with the tribe's resolution. It expressly granted the tribe federal recognition and chose not to apply Texas gaming regulations as surrogate federal law on tribal land. Of course, Congress also sought to act in accordance with at least some of Texas's concerns by banning those games fully barred by Texas law. In the end, it seems each got half a loaf. By contrast, adopting Texas's alternative interpretation of the Restoration Act would make a mockery of Congress's statement that it sought to act in accordance with the tribe's resolution. On the state's view, all of its gaming regulations serve as surrogate federal law applicable on tribal lands. That's a result few would dare to describe as according with the tribal resolution. In fact, it's an outcome more nearly the opposite of what the tribe sought and closer to what it described as a wholly unsatisfactory infringement upon the tribe's power of self-government and inconsistent with the central purposes of restoration of the federal trust relationship. To be sure and as Texas and the dissent both highlight, the statutory terms Congress finally settled on were in some respects more generous to the tribe than those its resolution authorized tribal negotiators in Washington to accept. Rather than ban all gaming on tribal lands, Congress banned only those games forbidden in Texas. But this development is hardly surprising either. The tribe adopted its resolution in 1986 in connection with negotiations over a bill that eventually died in the Senate. As talks continued the following year, this court issued Cabazon. And after that, as we have seen, tribes across the country saw their negotiating position strengthened. The dissent omits these essential details from its account of how the Restoration Act became law. That omission leads the dissent to overlook one plausible explanation for why the tribe got the deal it did. It may be that, thanks to Cabazon, the tribe's representatives were able to persuade Congress to impose a less draconian ban, one that paralleled the terms this court in Cabazon found applicable to many other tribes under Public Law 280. Surely, too, as we have seen, if Congress had intended a more complete federal ban, it could have easily said so. Not by obliquely referencing a tribal resolution, but by saying so clearly, just as it did for both the Wampanoag and Catawba tribes. In the end, Texas retreats to the usual redoubt of failing statutory interpretation arguments, an unadorned appeal to public policy. Echoing arguments voiced by the Cabazon dissent, the state argues that attempts to distinguish between prohibition and regulation are sure to prove unworkable. Indeed, the state suggests that problems are likely to arise in this very case. Under our reading, Texas highlights, courts on remand might be called on to decide whether electronic bingo qualifies as bingo and thus a gaming activity merely regulated by Texas, or whether it constitutes an entirely different sort of gaming activity absolutely banned by Texas and thus forbidden as a matter of federal law. And, the state worries, any attempt to answer that question may require evidence, expert testimony, and further litigation. We appreciate these concerns, but they do not persuade us. Most fundamentally, they are irrelevant. It is not our place to question whether Congress adopted the wisest or most workable policy, only to discern and apply the policy it did adopt. If Texas thinks good governance requires a different set of rules, its appeals are better directed to those who make the laws than those charged with following them. Even on its own terms, we are not sure what to make of Texas's policy argument. 
we do not doubt that the Restoration Act's prohibitory-slash-regulatory distinction can and will generate borderline cases. It may even be that electronic bingo will prove such a case. But if applying the Act's terms poses challenges, that hardly makes it unique among federal statutes. Nor is the line the Restoration Act asks us to enforce quite as unusual as Texas suggests. Courts have applied the same prohibitory-slash-regulatory framework elsewhere in this country under Public Law 280 for decades. IGRA, too, draws a similar line to assess the propriety of Class II gaming on Indian reservations nationwide. In fact, Texas concedes that another tribe within its borders, the Kickapoo traditional tribe of Texas, is already subject to IGRA and offers Class II games. Why something like the Cabazon test can work for one tribe in Texas but not another is not exactly obvious. For that matter, Texas's alternative interpretation poses its own workability challenges. Under the state's reading, subsection, C, does not just charge federal courts with enforcing on tribal lands a federal law banning gaming activities also banned by state law. It also charges federal courts with enforcing the minutiae of state gaming regulations governing the conduct of permissible games, a role usually played by state gaming commissions or the National Indian Gaming Commission. It's a highly unusual role for federal courts to assume. But on Texas's view, it's a role federal courts must assume, as indeed they have sought to do since he slayed a iron far from yielding an easily administrable regime, by almost anyone's account that project has engendered a quarter century of confusion and dispute. Texas contends that Congress and the Restoration Act has allowed all of its state gaming laws to act as surrogate federal law on tribal lands. The Fifth Circuit took the same view in Isleta I and in the proceedings below. That understanding of the law is mistaken. The Restoration Act bans as a matter of federal law on tribal lands only those gaming activities also banned in Texas. To allow the Fifth Circuit to revise its precedent and reconsider this case in the correct light, its judgment is vacated, and the case is remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. So ordered. Chief Justice Roberts, with whom Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, and Justice Kavanaugh join, dissenting. In order to obtain federal trust status, the Isleta del Sur Pueblo tribe agreed that Texas's gambling laws should apply on its reservation. Congress passed a bill codifying this arrangement. The key statutory provision states, all gaming activities which are prohibited by the laws of the state of Texas are hereby prohibited on the reservation and on lands of the tribe. The tribe now wishes to engage in various high-stakes gaming activities that would clearly violate Texas law, if Texas law applies. The question presented in this case is whether all of Texas's gaming laws apply on tribal land, or only those laws that categorically ban a particular game. The court today concludes that the latter reading of the statute is the better one. I disagree. A straightforward reading of the statute's text makes clear that all gaming activities prohibited in Texas are also barred on the tribe's land. The court's contrary interpretation is at odds with the statute's plain meaning, conflicts with an unambiguous tribal resolution that the act was enacted in accordance with, and makes a hash of the statute's structure. The court's approach also winds up treating gambling violations more leniently than other violations of Texas law. This makes little sense, as the whole point of the provision at issue was to further restrict gaming on the tribe's lands. I respectfully dissent. The Isleta del Sur Pueblo tribe sits on a 100-acre reservation near El Paso, Texas. The tribe first received federal recognition in 1968. At that time, Congress simultaneously transferred the United States' trust responsibilities to the state of Texas. Texas thereafter held the tribe's land in trust, and Texas law applied in full on the reservation. The situation became tenuous, however, in 1983. 
That year Texas's Attorney General issued an opinion concluding that the state's trust relationship with a similarly situated tribe violated the Texas Constitution. This led to a great deal of uncertainty about the Pueblo's future. Efforts began to establish, for the first time, a direct trust relationship between the tribe and the federal government. But a key sticking point soon emerged, the status of gaming on the reservation. Texas has long maintained strict controls on gambling. Indeed, since 1876 the Texas Constitution has required the state's legislature to pass laws prohibiting such activities. While the Texas Constitution now contains limited exceptions for charitable bingo and raffles, as well as the state's official lottery, its ban on casino-style gaming remains absolute. With the Pueblo seeking federal trust status, Texas officials worried that if the state's gaming laws no longer applied on tribal lands, the tribe's small reservation might soon become a large hub for high-stakes gaming. In 1985, Congress considered a bill that would have granted the Pueblo federal trust status. The bill also would have authorized gaming on the tribe's land, so long as it occurred pursuant to a tribal ordinance or law that had been approved by the Secretary of the Interior. The bill passed the House of Representatives but stalled in the Senate due to opposition from Texas state officials and members of the Texas congressional delegation. They were concerned that the bill did not provide adequate protection against high-stakes gaming operations on the tribe's reservation. In response, the tribe adopted a resolution, which is of central importance to this case. The resolution's preamble contains a series of prefatory clauses. One states that the tribe has no interest in conducting high-stakes bingo or other gambling operations on its reservation. Another says the tribe remains firm in its commitment to prohibit outright any gambling or bingo in any form on its reservation. At the same time, other clauses assert the tribe's view that proposals to make state gaming law applicable on the reservation are wholly unsatisfactory and represent a substantial infringement upon tribal self-government. Still, the tribe concluded, the controversy over gaming must not be permitted to jeopardize legislation granting it federal trust status. So the tribal council made a single request, that its congressional representatives amend the pending legislation to provide that all gaming, gambling, lottery, or bingo, as defined by the laws and administrative regulations of the state of Texas, shall be prohibited on the tribe's reservation or on tribal land. The tribe's request ultimately led to enactment of the Restoration Act, which is the statute at issue in this case. The act contains various provisions setting forth the relationship between the tribe, the state of Texas, and the United States. Two statutory provisions are particularly pertinent. The first addresses general application of Texas law on the reservation, and the second addresses the more specific application of Texas's gaming laws. First, in Section 105F, of the Act, Congress made the Public Law 280 framework applicable to the Isleta del Sur Pueblo. The Tribe Texas, and the United States all embrace this interpretation of the Act. Public Law 280 allows certain states to apply in full their criminal laws, and some of their civil laws, on tribal lands. The law was designed to address the problem of lawlessness on certain Indian reservations. The court interpreted Public Law 280 to mean that state laws that are criminal-slash-prohibitory apply on designated reservations, whereas those laws that are merely civil-slash-regulatory do not. Put differently, we said, if the intent of a state law is generally to prohibit certain conduct, it falls within Public Law 280's grant of criminal jurisdiction to the state, but if the state law generally permits the conduct at issue, subject to regulation, it must be classified as civil-slash-regulatory and Public Law 280 does not authorize its enforcement on an Indian reservation. Because Section 105F, grants Texas Public Law 280 authority on Pueblo lands, the state may directly enforce all of its laws that generally prohibit conduct. Second, Congress adopted a more specific rule to govern gaming on the reservation, which is set forth at Section 107 of the Restoration Act. 
The provision has three parts. Section 107A begins with the primary rule. It states unequivocally that all gaming activities which are prohibited by the laws of the state of Texas are hereby prohibited on the reservation and on lands of the tribe. It continues by noting that this rule was enacted in accordance with the tribe's request in Tribal Resolution No. TC-02-86. The next part, Section 107b, says that the section's prohibition on gaming on the reservation should not be construed as a grant of civil or criminal regulatory jurisdiction to the state of Texas. Finally, Section 107c clarifies how the gaming provision is to be enforced, notwithstanding Section 105f, the courts of the United States rather than Texas courts, shall have exclusive jurisdiction over any offense in violation of Section 107a. However, Section 107c continues, nothing in this section shall be construed as precluding the state of Texas from bringing an action in the courts of the United States to enjoin violations of the provisions of this section. This means that, unlike most state laws that apply on tribal land, which Texas can directly enforce given its authority under Section 105f Texas cannot directly enforce its gaming laws in state court. Instead, if Texas determines the tribe is conducting prohibited gaming activities, it must seek relief by way of a federal court injunction. It was not long before things wound up in federal court. The Pueblo sued first. Although the tribe had previously expressed its firm commitment to prohibit outright any gambling or bingo in any form on its reservation, it now wished to host a bonanza of high-stakes, casino-style games, including baccarat, blackjack, craps, roulette, and more. The dispute made its way to the Fifth Circuit, which ruled against the tribe. The court held that through the Restoration Act, Congress, and the tribe, intended for Texas gaming laws and regulations to operate a surrogate federal law on the tribe's reservation in Texas. The tribe was thus required to follow all of Texas's gaming rules unless it could persuade Congress to repeal the Restoration Act. We denied certiorari. For more than 25 years, this straightforward interpretation of the Restoration Act held. Yet the tribe continually pushed the act's limits, resulting in numerous successful requests for injunctive relief from Texas to enforce its gaming laws. In several instances, federal courts had to hold tribal officials in contempt for disregarding injunctions. The present litigation traces back to 2016. After a district court enjoined illegal sweepstakes games being conducted by the Pueblo, the tribe announced it would be transitioning to bingo. As noted, Texas outlaws almost all gambling, though it does permit charitable bingo activities in certain limited situations. In 2017, Texas inspected the Pueblo's Speaking Rock Entertainment Center to determine whether it was complying with state law. The answer appeared to be no. Slot machines are outlawed in Texas, as are gambling device versions of bingo. Yet inside the tribe's casino, officials found more than 2,000 machines that looked exactly like Las Vegas-style slot machines. Players press a button, graphics spin, noise plays, and eventually players learn whether they have won or lost. The machines are accessible 24 hours a day and, for added effect, are emblazoned with names like Big Texas Payday. Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas, and Lucky Duck. Although the machines resemble slot machines in every relevant respect, the tribe insisted they were a form of bingo, because whether a player wins turns on historical bingo draws. In addition to these electronic gaming machines, the tribe also offered live called bingo 24 hours a day. But the conditions under which these actual bingo games were conducted violated Texas law in many ways. Texas filed suit in federal court seeking injunctive relief against the tribe and tribal officials. The district court granted an injunction, holding that the tribe's bingo operations failed to comply with Texas law. 
the Fifth Circuit affirmed, concluding that in exchange for federal trust status, the Pueblo agreed that its gaming activities would comply with Texas law, including all of the state's gaming regulations. At this point in the litigation, the tribe does not argue that all of its gaming activities are consistent with Texas law. Rather, it insists that Texas's gaming laws simply do not apply to it, unless Texas categorically bans the playing of a particular type of game altogether. The tribe does not make this argument based primarily on the text or structure of the statute. It instead relies on Cabazon Band of Mission Indians, which interpreted Public Law 280. The tribe asks us to treat Section 107 of the Restoration Act as implicitly adopting Cabazon Band's framework, which distinguishes between laws that are criminal-slash-prohibitory and laws that are civil-slash-regulatory. Under this framework, state laws that totally prohibit a type of activity apply on tribal land, while state laws that simply regulate the activity do not. And as the tribe sees it, Texas does not ban the playing of bingo under all circumstances, so none of the state's restrictions on the game apply. The court today accepts the tribe's position, but I am not persuaded. I begin with the statute's plain text. Section 107A provides. All gaming activities which are prohibited by the laws of the state of Texas are hereby prohibited on the reservation and on lands of the tribe. Any violation of the prohibition provided in this subsection shall be subject to the same civil and criminal penalties that are provided by the laws of the state of Texas. The provisions of this subsection are enacted in accordance with the tribe's request in Tribal Resolution No. TC-02-86 which was approved and certified on March 12, 1986. The best reading of this statute is that all of Texas's gambling rules apply in full on the tribe's land. All gaming activities prohibited by Texas are prohibited on the reservation. Any violation is subject to the same penalties that Texas would ordinarily impose. The tribe posits that this plain text may be read to refer only to the banning of entire games, such as poker, baccarat, or roulette. But had Congress wished to adopt this narrower definition of gaming activities, it easily could have done so. For example, it could have referred to types of gambling, or mentioned that the prohibition would apply only if Texas flatly, categorically, or completely banned a particular type of game. Congress did not do so. Further textual evidence points decisively in the same direction. Section 107A says that it was enacted in accordance with the tribe's request in Tribal Resolution No. TC-02-86. As noted above, the Tribal Resolution contains just a single request, that Congress enact language which would provide that all gaming, gambling, lottery, or bingo, as defined by the laws and administrative regulations of the state of Texas, shall be prohibited on the tribe's reservation or on tribal land. This language is categorical. So the breadth of the tribe's request, and Congress's clear statement that it enacted Section 107A in accordance with that request, strongly indicate that Congress intended to ban all gaming activities, as defined by Texas, that are inconsistent with Texas law. The court does not view the tribal resolution as significant because Congress did not purport to incorporate it into federal law. But this is not mere legislative history, it is statutory text. Congress told us exactly why it did what it did, it was acting in accord with the tribe's request that it ban on the reservation all gaming as defined by Texas. The court says that Congress did legislate in accordance with the tribe's resolution because it expressly granted the tribe federal recognition and chose not to apply Texas gaming regulations as surrogate federal law on tribal land. Texas, the court suggests, should be happy to have gotten what had never been in question from the beginning, a ban on games fully barred by the state. That was its half a loaf. In making this claim, the court relies on cherry-picked excerpts from the resolution's preamble. But the text of Section 107A of the Restoration Act rules out the court's analysis. 
Section 107A expressly states that the provision was enacted in accordance with the tribe's request in Tribal Resolution No. TC-02-86. As noted, the resolution contains only one single request that Congress ban on tribal lands all gaming, gambling, lottery, or bingo, as defined by the laws and administrative regulations of the state of Texas. The resolution's preamble makes up no part of this request, so the court's reliance on it is misplaced. Or to put the point differently, operative provisions should be given effect as operative provisions, and prologues as prologues. In sum, Section 107A of the Restoration Act is best read to mean that all of Texas's gaming laws apply on the tribe's reservation. The court rejects this straightforward interpretation of the statute for one main reason. It adopts the tribe's argument that the use of the word prohibited in Section 107A implicitly incorporates the jurisdictional framework of Public Law 280 and Cabazon Band. There are a number of reasons to be skeptical of this approach. First, Congress knew how to incorporate the Public Law 280 framework where it wished to do so. We know that because that is precisely what Congress did in Section 105F, of the Restoration Act. There is little reason to think that Congress would have done so elsewhere in the very same act with nothing more than a wink and a nudge. Second, there is no evidence that Congress intended to use the word prohibited in Section 107A as a term of art. The word prohibit appears thousands of times in the U.S. Code. The fact that our decision in Cabazon Band used this generic term to describe the bounds of Public Law 280 is hardly enough to turn it into a term of art with a more particularized meaning. Third, the text of Section 107A of the Restoration Act bears little resemblance to the statutory language of Public Law 280. Thus, this is not a situation where a more recent enactment carries with it the old soil of a predecessor statute or rule. Finally, the language used in Section 107 does not signal an intent to adopt Cabazon Ban's unique dichotomy between laws that are criminal-slash-prohibitory and those that are civil-slash-regulatory. The tribe points to Section 107A's use of the word prohibited and Section 107B's reference to the state lacking regulatory jurisdiction on tribal lands to suggest that only Texas's gaming laws that are criminal-slash-prohibitory ought to apply. But Section 107A also says that both Texas's civil and criminal penalties apply when the tribe engages in prohibited gaming activities. And Section 107A was enacted in accordance with the Tribal Resolution, which specifies that the Restoration Act outlaws all gaming, gambling, lottery, or bingo, as defined by the laws and administrative regulations of the state of Texas. These express references to civil penalties and administrative regulations make it unlikely that Congress intended to implicitly incorporate only Texas's gaming laws that are criminal-slash-prohibitory. To the extent Congress legislated with Cabazon Ban's dichotomy in mind, the cross-cutting language that Congress used suggests it intended to incorporate both types of laws. The foregoing is confirmed by the structure of the Restoration Act and its statutory history. As noted above, Section 105F, incorporates the Public Law 280 framework. The tribe does not dispute this. Section 107A then provides a more specific rule for gaming activities. This is thus the common case where a specific provision Section 107A, controls over one of more general application. The tribe disagrees. It argues that while Section 105F, of the Restoration Act incorporated Public Law 280's Cabazon Ban framework, Section 107A did so as well. But if Section 105F and its incorporation of Cabazon Band, already applied to gaming activities that were generally prohibited in Texas, there would have been no need for Congress to enact the more specific rule of Section 107A. The tribe's proffered reading of the statute thus runs headlong into the canon against surplusage. The tribe's preferred interpretation is especially doubtful given the history of the Restoration Act. 
the key roadblock to the tribe obtaining federal trust status was a concern that it would permit gambling. The tribe obtained federal trust status only after striking a deal on this issue. It would make little sense for Congress to have enacted Section 107A's limitations on gaming merely to duplicate the rules already set forth in Section 105F. And it would make even less sense for Congress to have done so while simultaneously indicating that it was enacting the gaming prohibition in accordance with the tribe's request, Section 107A, that it ban on tribal lands all gaming, gambling, lottery, or bingo, as defined by the laws and administrative regulations of the state of Texas full stop. What's more, the tribe's interpretation of Section 107, embraced by the court today, leads to a bizarre result. Violations of Texas's criminal gaming prohibitions receive more lenient treatment than all other violations of Texas's criminal laws. Under Section 105F, Texas may directly enforce in state court all of its laws that are criminal-slash-prohibitory. But under Section 107C, Texas may enforce its gaming laws only through federal court injunctions. This diminished enforcement authority would make sense if the full breadth of Texas's gaming prohibitions applied on tribal lands. But in a universe where Section 107A bars no conduct beyond what Section 105F already prohibits, it would make little sense for Texas to have less enforcement authority over gaming when that was the only sticking point prior to passage of the Restoration Act. This is a surefire sign that something has gone badly awry in the court's interpretation of Section 107. The tribal resolution confirms this point. The House of Representatives passed H.R. 1344 in December 1985. That version of the bill already contained the pertinent language applying Public Law 280 to the tribe. Under that regime, the tribe would have had the same authority that other tribes had under Public Law 280 to offer games not altogether banned by a state. But H.R. 1344 stalled in the Senate, and the tribe adopted its resolution. The resolution made clear that the tribe was offering a concession that would limit its ability to offer gambling to a greater extent than under H.R. 1344 and its existing incorporation of Public Law 280. That is why the tribe objected that it was being unfairly singled out, for treatment different than that accorded other tribes in this country. Still, the tribe wanted, and needed, federal trust status, more than gambling. In fact, the tribe asserted in the preamble to the resolution that it had no interest in conducting high-stakes bingo or other gambling operations and remained firm in its commitment to prohibit outright any gambling or bingo in any form on its reservation. Given its interest in federal trust status and its lack of interest in gaming, the tribe requested that Congress amend H.R. 1344 to add language banning all gaming, gambling, lottery, or bingo on its reservation. Since the then-existing text of H.R. 1344 already made Public Law 280 applicable to the tribe, it is plain that the proposed addition in Section 107 was designed to go further. The Court's construction of Section 107, as merely extending the Public Law 280 framework to gaming on Pueblo lands, and then watering down that framework through Section 107C's limitation on remedies, is untenable. The tribe insists that a contrary interpretation of Section 107A would render Sections 107B and C meaningless, or would at least result in undue tension between those provisions and subsection A. I disagree. The tribe focuses primarily on Section 107B. That provision states, nothing in this section shall be construed as a grant of civil or criminal regulatory jurisdiction to the state of Texas. The tribe and court contend that this reservation of authority shows that Congress intended to adopt the Cabazon Band framework. But if Section 107A simply adopted Cabazon Band, why would there have been any need to say so again in Section 107B? Section 107B only makes sense if Section 107A raised questions about how far Texas's authority reached beyond the limits of Cabazon Band.
Section 107b simply but importantly clarifies that Section 107a adopts only Texas's substantive gaming laws and associated penalties. What Section 107a cannot be construed to do, according to Section 107b is to authorize Texas to exercise the regulatory authority of administrative agencies or other enforcers of state law directly against the tribe. Thus, Texas correctly explains that its Lottery Commission could not exercise jurisdiction on the tribe's reservation. Likewise, its local district attorneys could not bring criminal enforcement actions against the Pueblo in state court for violations of what has been adopted as federal law. Yet as Section 107A demands, the substance of the state's laws prohibiting certain gaming activities would remain enforceable in full. The next section, Section 107C, explains how, the state could enforce its laws by bringing an action in the courts of the United States to enjoin violations of the provisions of this section. The Isla del Sur Pueblo tribe needed federal trust status to secure its future. Texas objected that granting this status might bring with it casino-style gaming. Categorically denying any interest in gaming, the tribe requested that the pending bill conferring federal trust status be amended to prohibit on the reservation all gambling as defined by Texas law. The tribe did so even though it acknowledged this would result in it being treated differently from other tribes. The proposal removed the state's objection and Congress passed the bill granting federal trust status to the tribe, while, in Section 107A specifically prohibiting on the reservation gaming activities barred under Texas law. At the same time, in Section 107B, Congress protected the tribe's interests by banning direct state enforcement on the reservation. Under Section 107C, Texas would instead have to proceed in federal court. This was a careful balance struck by Congress. The court today throws out that balance, treating gaming on this reservation as if it were just like any other public law 280 reservation. I respectfully dissent. Thanks for listening. This podcast is not affiliated with the United States Supreme Court or its staff in any way. If you would like to support my efforts to make Supreme Court opinions available to the public please go to the podcast's website. It's at Anchor dot fm slash scotus hyphen opinions slash support again the website address is anchor dot fm slash scotus hyphen opinions slash support there you can also see other episodes and send a message to me the podcast's creator thank you